Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined as ever by my co-hosts, Maddie, Deep Space Nine Church House, and Nathan, Deep Throat's Fine Thomas. Without further ado, let's engage. <laughs> I I've sort of taken the um the fistful of dildos bit from last week and kind of just gone I'm going to do I'm going to go back to basics and be incredibly uh filthy and disgusting <laughs> in the Nathan bit uh for the next couple of days. So the next three oh. that I write are probably going to be awful and disgusting and I apologize in advance. There there, there is a, a prevailing wisdom um the common knowledge of the podcast that is that you shouldn't make a podcast feed where many episodes or the entire feed is marked as explicit, like I have done with this because of everything we ever do. <laughs> um, and I would love to see what our listener numbers are like in the alternate universe where we're clean. Yeah, where we like, don't talk about... I mean, we wouldn't have a podcast, Nathan. <laughs> there was two or three episodes in where I was like, oh, I really should have told Jake and Maddie that so that they knew that. <laughs> Oh well. <laughs> oh well. And now we're what fifty, nearly sixty podcasts in to a show that in every single yeah. episode we use the word penis at least five times. <laughs> you use the word penis. I like to use. Have the you word seen the, Have you have you ever seen the um, Ofcom Mister Swellworth? Yes, well, so I, because I've appeared on a few things for the BBC, they give you a list of things that you are and aren't allowed to say when you're on. So I've done uh, BBC Radio quite a bit, and they, yeah, Yeah. you have there are lists of things that you can say at certain times of the day as well. So like, like yeah, well, you can't say like arse at a certain time in the in the morning or whatever, but then you can say it after like six p.m. or something. Precisely six oh four p.m. One may say the word. (laughs) This is why I always think the radio. Like I understand why TV, because you could like emit that could cause some immediate harm or something. Yeah. But like the radio rules, which I always think are better than the rules of um, that podcasts have. The BBC radio rules and well, the Ofcom rules that the BBC then have to follow are that they don't have a watershed or anything. They just have a rule which is it's got to be based on reasonably, the audience you expect to listen to that program for more than a few minutes, because they're just flicking through, and the time of day. So, like, you know, the the the, the morning politics programs, Yeah. If, if a minister said, live on air, oh, that, or whatever, that wouldn't reach Ofcom codes, because it's important to know what that minister said, the context is appropriate. And even though it is the morning, you're only really expecting people that are adults to be paying close attention or teenagers who are capable of yeah. not being offended by that. Whereas, you know... Um, <laughs> if, like, like... I don't know, like, if Gino DeCampo said it on this morning in the context yeah. of he's spilled some milk when he's cooking an omelette or something... It wouldn't like. be appropriate, and then he'd be... Yeah. Um, what about but, yeah, like, Winky on Teletubbies? Well, we've already discussed the giant space Nunu, who we we know is has the sexual veracity of uh, a young James Khan. Um, I've I've just found the email that they sent me last last time I went on uh, BBC Radio York, um, which has the Ofcom rating of swear words. So they rate them as uh, mild, medium. And strong, and they survey on... the the public every couple of years yeah, to see yeah. how it changes, which is always fun as well. So, but go on, Jake, do read this because I love these. Yeah, so there's mild, medium, and strong based on how offensive the the public thinks they are. Right, so these are the uh, the things that are in the mild category. Um, you've got. Right. Sorry, I love the fact. What a 
doing in there? And also, why are they taking the Lord's name in vain? And we're not allowed to talk about our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Obviously, the context is key because, like, the word <laughs> is is not banned across all BBC. You can't... It's not like they're doing, a, like, a CBBS show. Balls teaching and kids. only. Old yeah, MacDonald the... had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> And on that farm, he had it censored. <laughs> well, so here's the medium list. Um, so these are the medium words. Slash. How is and on the medium list and is on the mild? What is going yeah. on? Who wrote I, this I... fucking list? I also like they're the medium words, but I feel like they're like there's been quite a jump from the from the the mild ones to this. Um, Ridiculous. Then we've got uh, so then the strong ones. So the, these are these are the ones that are the worst offenders according to Ofcom. Um, so you've got. I would like I'm to point sorry, out. But why are all of the ones on the strong list less bad than all of the ones on the medium list? What yeah. is happening? Well, and then there's the strongest list, which is the the the, oh, the final God. ones. The strongest is just. <laughs> I mean, that was easy to see coming. But I'm sorry, whoever. I, that right, I'm going to be. I, I I am really tempted to believe everything that it says. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, if you could just put all of the words in the, the list, that would be really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love the idea that if uh, if this podcast episode wasn't uh, going to have a an explicit label on it beforehand, now I've just read out the entire list of words that we're not allowed to say. <laughs> my my favourite fact about TV and radio production is: Do you know the BBC have a pronunciation? Yes, unit? they do. What? <laughs> what? You can ring them up and ask how to pronounce any word. What? So that so that like you. You, you don't so that when newsreaders are like there has been a killing in some Welsh town they don't sound like totally stupid <laughs> I'm sorry but is this like a spin-off from the national traffic cones hotline like, <laughs> how many calls per day the pronunciation what's unit the getting? national traffic line like, uh, I'm calling because Nigella keeps calling it micro wave and it's making <laughs> me feel very uncomfortable no it's for it's for BBC personnel to ring so they're not even getting things like that they're getting like a newsreader who can't pronounce Clandidno or whatever and needs to get a... Our newsreader is talking with also, a mild regional accent and I would like to report them to the pronunciation hotline. Also, Maddie, thank you for telling me about the Cones hotline. <laughs> this, is the, this is the most John Major of measures <laughs> that like I'm going to, to make. Cones, Totten Road. <laughs> That's Wilfred Pickles. Should we, should we talk about... Star Trek. <laughs> No, oh, fuck it. This is now a podcast that's entirely based on weird traffic codes. Yeah. Um, I love the idea that the pronunciation people in the pronunciation unit of the BBC are like sat around like firefighters when there's when it's been a bit of a wet weekend and there's no fires going on <laughs> and they're sat around doing nothing, like waiting for something to happen. And then that uh, that volcano in Iceland went off and then they just suddenly were like mantle all over the place. I like the way that I tried to pronounce I tried to say mental and then I mispronounced it mantle, uh, which one would have would have required me to speak to the pronunciation unit and two is a pun on on volcanoes erupting. So, you know, that's nice. Um, anyway. Just to wrap up this section yes. so that um, American listeners aren't confused, uh, the National Traffic Cones Hotline is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> because in Britain we have a inordinate obsession with traffic cones amongst other health and safety measures. John Major, like a previous Conservative Prime Minister, made a hotline where you could report unruly traffic cones <laughs> if you thought there were too many traffic cones along a piece of road. 
Yeah, the, the, the line I love in the Wikipedia article is, the whole line was widely seen as being a waste of government resources, <laughs> costing several thousand pounds a year to run. It's like, no shit. It's got to be up there yeah. with the Great Emu War in terms of most futile government effort of all time. <laughs> Look, we should talk about Star Trek um, before we alienate too many of the listeners who've come specifically for that. Um, uh, we promise this is still a Star Trek podcast and we are in the middle of a series of episodes where uh, we're trying to convince me that Deep Space Nine is a good series because I'm yet to be convinced and uh, I'm not a big Deep Space Nine fan um, and so we've asked for you, the listener, to suggest episodes of DS9 that uh, we should watch and talk about to try and convert me into a fan. Um, we started last week uh, with a suggestion um, where we watched um, The Visitor which was uh, pretty good. I was I was pretty into it. Uh, and then this week, uh, the suggestion has come from an Instagram user named, who, who is called at Our Man Bashir, uh, named after another episode of DS9 that we've watched that I didn't enjoy as much. Um, and we so we are looking at The Wire, Series 2, uh, Episode 22 of DS9. Um, so before we get too far into it, Nathan, would you like to describe the plot of The Wire from Deep Space Nine? in your patented way. I would. Okay, so, Julian and Garrick are walking down the promenade, and it seems that Julian is tired. Uh, he apologises. He was up uh, right, like, late last night reading The Never-Ending Sacrifice, a work of great Cardassian literature, but despite Garrick's obvious love for it, found it a bit dull. Garrick says the repetitive epic is apparently the highest work of Cardassian literature, and this is the ultimate expression of the form. As they argue, Garrick starts to get some pain, his skin is funny and his pupils dilate. The doctor wants to take Garrick to the infirmary, but Garrick gets immediately ignored and excuses himself. After the opening title, Jadzia and the doctor are examining a plant. Professor Keiko O'Brien is away, and none of Jadzia's hosts know anything about gardening, but in their collective opinion, it's uh, sick. Dr. Bershia complains that his humanoid patients are significantly less easy to, to treat, and yes, he is referring to Garrett. Jadzia notes that he's um, taking it personally. After all, why should Garrett trust Julian? And Julian is like, no, that makes sense. After all, if he doesn't want Julian's help, it's his problem. Um, uh, later on, Garrett can be seen dealing with the quark, apparently for some kind of merchandise. It's hushed and urgent. Quark tells Julian it's for a sizing scanner, but Garrett's shocked. Garrick uh, noticed Garrick Cork hadn't noticed that Garrick was quite upset. Why do you mention it, Doctor? Uh, in the infirmary, uh, Bashir cures Commander Sisko of a headache induced by loudly making his opinions known to an admiral. Um, and <laughs> uh, then he sets Miles to work on recovering the Cardassian medical databases. Miles says the files will have been deleted, but we could recover some of them, two, three weeks at least. Nah, never mind. Cork calls Julian to his bar. Garrick is there having drunk himself pretty much shit-faced. Uh, Julian gets him to go to bed, but first, we have to make a stop at the infirmary. Garrick is not quite that stupid, though. He argues for a little while, but then collapses. Odie and Julian examining a device apparently connected to the central nervous system of Garrick. Based on the amount of scarring he's been there for years, and yet Garrick only experienced pain for the last few days. Odo has no knowledge of what it is, not standard piece of Cardassian technology. Fortunately, thanks to Odo's routine monitoring of Quark's communication, you know, so there are secret messages being sent to Cardassia Prime. Quark calls said friend on Cardassia. He needs a piece of biotech and schematics for its installation. Quark gives the man the requisition code number, while Odo listens with Julian. Hey, Constable, you don't have one of these bugs in my room. Should I, Doctor? Uh, once the Cardassian officer puts the code in, um, the whole thing is classified, apparently due to the Obsidian Order. The man seems terrified and terminates uh, transmission, something that Quark follows through with. He doesn't want the Obsidian Order on his back either. Odo explains the Order is basically the Stasi of Cardassia. Uh, why does um, Garrick need another one if this is some kind of punishment device? Is he trying to remove it? Odo and Julian agree to ask him some question when he comes round. Unfortunately, Garrick discharged himself at 0320 hours this morning. 
Bashir breaks into Garrick's quarter with medical override codes and finds Garrick taking a significant amount of anesthesia and depressants. Garrick explains that uh, he thought um, he was supposed to be the fly. Julian says that Quark's not coming through, by the way. Garrick asks if, uh, in that case, could he please be allowed to commit suicide in <laughs> Julian explains that the device is causing pain and a deterioration of his brain. Garrick says that he knows that it can't be removed. It was designed to create natural endorphins to make him immune to pain. Turns out, though, that Garrick has had it on continuous use for the last two years. Living on this station is torture. It's too cold, too bright, and the Bajorans look at him with contempt. Uh, and if he shuts it up, his dependent body will collapse. Garrick tells the doctor... He has an infuriating pest. When Julian persists, he says he hears that all the time from Miles and doesn't listen to him either. Uh, Garrick says that maybe he's getting the suffering he deserves and that he doesn't need Federation pity or morals about it. Garrick tells Julian of his role as a troll in the occupation. His aide, Elam, tracks down uh, escaping prisoners and got aboard the shuttle. Uh, that got aboard a shuttle. It was the eve of uh, the withdrawal, so. Garrick celebrated by ordering it being destroyed, killing several innocents, but this led to his exile because uh, Oops killed the uh, daughter of a prominent governor. Uh, Julian says he's not concerned with what he did. As a doctor, he cannot allow him just to die. He turns off the implant and says he will assist with the withdrawal sim- symptoms. In the next shot, Garrick's in a coma. Uh, Odo wants to talk to him and wants to talk to him about murder cases in which Garrick might be a suspect. Julian stands firm on his medical principles. Keeps watch over his unconscious patient in his own quarters, monitoring until he awakens, sprawling and squirming. Garrick is very angry and bitter. He claims to feel incredibly clear-headed. What a waste of life he's had. He says this as he destroys his character. Garrick was a protege of Inalbrintain, the head of the order. He had limited potential until he threw it away. He amends his earlier story. He didn't kill the prisoners. He let them go. The eve of the withdrawal... Spent his time interrogating children and all said pointless. Julian looked at Gary like he was insane and he was exiled with nothing to do but speak to Julian Bashir for lunch. I don't believe he enjoyed his lunch. He hates this place, the Federation, and you, Doctor. Just batch it and attacks him. Before long, the implant incapacitates Garrick, meaning Julian has to stabilise his heart. The toxins are still accumulating. Bashir doesn't understand why this is happening. He analyzes various samples. The molecular structure appears to be older. They have three to four days to synthesize what they need. Garrick refuses to allow the implant to be turned on, though, which would give them a few more weeks, enough time to do it. Um, Garrick offers to finally tell Julian the truth. Julian says he's given up on the truth. Garrick tells him that patience is rewarded. Even with his friend, not his aide, they grew up together, and before long they were called the Sons of Tate. Then there was a scandal. Someone in the order was said to have let prisoners go. Garrick panicked, made sure Elin was accused and said, falsified records, but uh, Elin found out and had got the drop on him, betraying him first. Garrick claims he deserved it, which is what he'd attempted to do to his best friend. Julian wonders why he's being told this. Garrick claims it's because he wants some forgiveness. Julian sighs and heads out to find the man responsible for all this. Julian arrives on the Cardassian planet and the man anoints himself to make himself at home. And Arbrintain is the man. He took the liberty of alerting the military they were coming. Doctor, would you like some of your favourite tea? Just proving how good his info gathering is. Tain asks about Garrick. He is retired, but he likes to keep an eye on things. Tain thinks it's better. Garrick dies. Julian won't accept that, so he asks Tain to help. Tain agrees. I'll transfer all the necessary information. Julian wonders why. Tain says that Garrick doesn't deserve a quick death. He wants Garrick to throw all the stations surrounded by people who hate it. It's a sentiment that really comes from the heart. Finally, Julian asks Tain about Elin. Tain laughs. I see Garrick hasn't changed. Never tell the truth when a lie would do. Elin is Garrick's first name, Doctor. And Julian seems to realise how little he knows about his patient and friend. Next day, Garrick joins Julian for lunch. Julian objects that he's supposed to be in bed. Garrick says he feels fine. Naps about the spice pudding. Garrick is perfectly satisfied with how things turn out. turned out. Why dwell on what must have been a difficult time for both of us? Garrick is surprised to learn that Odo um, is under the impression that Garrick was a member of the Obsidian Order. Why, he's just Garrick, the plain, simple tailor. He brings Bashir a new Cardassian literature from the future where the Klingon Empire and Cardassia are at war. Julian wants to know 
So which stories were true, which were variable flies, my dear Dolphin. It's all true, especially the last and the episode. Thank you, Nathan. So the wire. I loved this episode. What? I really loved it. I I loved this more than this was better than the visitor. This was better than in the pale moonlight. I thought this was better than our man Bashir. I maybe this is my favorite DS9 episode that I've seen. Big words. So I, I, I I'll set my stall out right now. I didn't think it was the best episode that we've done. Um, I did think it was better than uh, in the pale moonlight because it's it's a similar sort of it's a similar. Story. Yeah, it's not that intrigue. Yeah, right? and it's a bottle yeah. episode where it's uh, you know there's one, it, it, it focuses on this one story really, and there's only kind of uh, two people in it, and it's about one specific character, and and that that yes. you know it's got a similar sort of vibe. Also, it, it, this after having watched this and uh, the last episode we did, and in the pale moonlight, one of my notes just says, um, "Is everyone in DS9 a war criminal?" <laughs> not everyone but a lot of people <laughs> is this is my head cannon early doors ds9 is actually a prison ship uh it's it's like ds9 is like the hague of uh of space where they take all of the war criminals they try the, and then that but rather unlike the hague where they then get sent off to a prison they all just stay there and then form a little weird little collective where they get on with each other and commit more war crimes because that is essentially what we uh, what we establish or do we establish this this is one of my questions that we establish that garrick is either a war criminal or a war hero if such a thing exists but we never and this is the one thing that i really liked about this episode is from a writing point of view um they they do leave it um ambiguous about about mm. what the real story is, why he's really there, was he really exiled, was he, or why was he exiled if he was, did he really kill people, did he not, did he save people, whatever. And I really like that, um, which I know a lot of other fans didn't like at the time because I read on Memory Alpha that I a actually, lot of people complained about yeah. it. Yeah, I like it. I think it adds to the allure of Garak of what did he really do yeah and i think this that is... my immediate and obvious conclusion to google what was the real reason Garak got exiled then finding out what it is was actually very boring and a letdown do you guys want to know why is it is, is it like is, is it because he's gay and they don't like that so th no it's actually much more boring and heteronormative than that oh, right. so andrew robinson wrote a tie-in novel about Garak, and one the reason that he gives in his novel um is that Garak was sleeping with some um high-ranking cardassian officer's wife Oh, that's blah, quite boring. Blah. Yeah, I'd, yeah, it's so boring. I can, yeah. I can I see would, why you've made up this elaborate lie that he, he's a war criminal. Then, yeah, because like the. <laughs> but I, I, I want to disregard that to some because it's never alluded to in the show, and I think you know, like nothing in yes. Star Trek. Nothing in Star Trek that it officially... Yes. Is it canon? Nothing it, in Star Trek, which is no, uh, it's not, not canon. It's sort of tie-in canon, so. Um, like the the novels and all of that are, are like a canon and are oh, never, okay, right, like memory alpha. Yeah, so we can ignore it. Other than in their popular section, just for that reason, like it's not like um, Star Wars, right? But like you know, some I, I'm not saying that um, any, any. Oh, okay, fine. Um, uh, yeah, we can safely Star ignore Trek it then. Sorry, Andrew. Necessarily bad because of that. Some of it is real, but good. But, um, but yeah, but like, I just think for the purposes of our discussion, yeah, it's not as merit. Like, it's just not. I, yeah, it, I, it's not in, canonical in this episode. And I want to say that I think this episode is the episode that makes Garrick into yes. the popular character he is. It's actually a really good episode if you're trying to get people into Deep Space Nine because I think it's hard on the later Garrick episodes to understand why so many people love those episodes and I think it's only because you have the context of this where you really solidify Garrick's kind of personality and like episodes prior to this that involved Garrick directly he'd been a little more of a plot mm. device like he facilitated intrigue plots that were largely then 
done by other characters, um, whereas this this focuses on him. And also, this episode is where Julian's superior characterization mm-hmm. as a maybe idealistic but determined individual. Because a lot of the stories Bashir faces throughout the rest of Deep Space Nine that are good ones and story points that he sees are idealist meets um, someone who compromises their ideals to... Because it's very telling that the writers of Deep Space Nine who introduce the idea of Section 31, which you'll be familiar with from mm-hmm. discovering things, introduce it by trying to have Section 31 recruit Julian, because they think as a bioengineered doctor, he'd be yeah. a great, uh, you know, with associations with Garrick, he'd be a great spy, but obviously his personality is completely wrong. Um, and that's why this episode is a great enemies to lovers story (laughs) with idealist Julian versus creepy slimy Garrick who's clearly very in love with Julian and vice versa I thought it was fantastic I I love that they just totally Mm. went off their rockers in this episode both of them at different points I thought it was very Shakespearean this episode It, it felt very much like the kind of a kind of Shakespearean it's funny you should say that, because I thought it occurred in this episode, but it must be either a later one or one before. The, they continue the thing with each of them recommending classic literature, and Garrick is, like, you, they, there's an opening to an episode where Garrick is just like, well, this, the, Julius Caesar was terrible. He's like, I thought you'd <laughs> like the political, like, theatre of it all. It's just, well, I could tell that, that um, Mark Anthony was going to betray, you know, that Brutus was going to betray him. Way earlier, <laughs> you should have immediately killed him. Like you know, it's just like oh, that's all we need um, to know. That Cardassian literature is yeah. absolutely insufferable. Yeah, I mean Julian's description of where he talks about it's just seven generations of Cardassians sacrificing themselves to the state and how it kind of lost its interest after a time. Garak absolutely loses it, and he's like, "That's just your Earth prejudice coming through." <laughs> and Julian looks like he's. Like, kicked his puppy. Yeah. Julian is heartbroken. I'm like, guys, it's not that deep. Julian just... Well, I guess his boyfriend said that he didn't like his favourite book. But <laughs> seriously, like, Julian is devastated. He's like, oh, you can you can give me a different book to read to read if you like. No, it's too late. You've ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did notice, that because that's the first thing that happens in the whole... Uh, in the whole story and like i obviously we're watching these episodes with um the uh the sort of intent that we're trying to make me uh a fan of the show and i realized that julian talking about uh the cardassian literature and that book in particular at the start of this it sounds exactly like me talking about deep space nine on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna bring that up <laughs> like if you didn't like this episode, I had a whole sarky bit being like, oh yeah, the bit where they talk about Cardassian literature and, you know, people who want the same thing over and over again. But I will save you with that. Um, man. The, um, uh, one thing that I really liked about this episode is the um, the characterization of Garak and the fact that I think this, like you said, Nathan, makes a lot of the, the later stuff with Garak, it puts it in a bit more context for me as a viewer. Like, I I enjoyed Our Man Bashir from the point of view of it's a fun romp in space, but I didn't really get the the relationship between Garak and, and Julian in that episode, really. Yeah, if that had been translated into Next Generation yes. or Voyager or any like show, it wouldn't, you would have still enjoyed it. Yes, I think this does give me a bit more of context, because I previously wasn't really a fan of Garak as a character um, from the, the stuff we'd seen. Uh, and this episode has made me more interested in him. I'm still not sure I like. I don't like him, but I'm not sure we're supposed to like him. Like, but I'm. Yes, I f- I feel you, Jake. I I'm I'm now kind of fully on board with with Garishir having watched this episode. <laughs> I completely understand why people are into it now. But Garrick is a really creepy gross person yeah like he's just he just gives me the the heebie-jeebies so yeah i don't think we are supposed to like him but i'm on board with the fact that for some whatever reason julian is besotted with him that's (laughs) fine um but yes he's 
I he definitely the... became fascinating. In... He's much Sorry. like very, very fascinating to me after this episode, especially after he goes completely mental. Yeah. And, like screams, screams at Julian and like flips, yeah. literally flips a table at yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, which, by the way, I, I just wanted to say, excellent work by Andrew Robinson. Excellent acting. Um, oh, yeah. There's just so much yeah, acting so in this episode, and uh, yeah. most of it is from Andrew Robinson. You have no idea what I am capable of. And like, and all of that. Yeah, when he's went like, because you know that his glory is affecting him, but there's an element to like when Garrick says, you know, I can't believe I enjoyed it. I can't believe I liked this. I I hate the, all everything he's done, but I hate this thing. I hate you. You're kind of like, oh, yeah. Maybe he's telling the truth. Like you're you're genuinely like maybe he that is like what he genuinely believes because he says he turned it on as a coping yeah because yeah well i think part of him does does is does feel that way i very much read this episode as here's a man whose life is ruined we we still don't completely understand the reasons why everything he hoped for everything he worked for everything he ever dreamed for has been taken away from him he's been exiled from his home world he's been placed with people who he thinks are, are lesser than him he's been forced to live like a rat and be seen as a rat by his former people who used to heroize him and then the one thing that he has going for him in this miserable life is that for some reason he's now you know got this weird dysfunctional relationship relationship with with this human doctor so of course he hates julian because he's in some ways he's completely codependent on julian yeah. as the only form of emotional solace that he has left yeah absolutely julian's the only person here on this station that he could scream to i hate you you know this my life sucks now all of this and and julian just takes it like he just sits there and unconditionally listens to him and and so so garrick I completely believe that he hates the station and that part of him hates Julian. And he probably hates him just as much for the fact that he's in love with him mm. as the fact that he just hates him because he's another annoying human on the station. Because it's almost like giving... It's kind of like that... I'm not describing it very well, but it, he, pro he resents him. He, I imagine he probably very strongly resents him for the fact that he's almost making him try to have some kind of life in a way that he doesn't want to well, live well, because yeah. it's a betrayal of everything he used to have. Well, he's kind of, Ju Julian's kind of like a symbol of uh, everything that Garak's yes. lost. Uh, and Yeah, absolutely. And you, that's, you... that's a much better way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> but it's only because I've talked about this in my own personal life uh, in therapy before, so I've used... Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's struck a chord with me this episode but um the, like it, you're right though and i think that the the relationship between the two of them is is much more interesting to me than the backstory of garak and what he's done or anything like that in this episode but that is still important to be able to to cuz it yes. that's what um sort of influences that relationship but like if i'm going to compare it to um to other genres again uh, like saying it's Shakespeare, it's also, especially in that scene where they're having a go at each other and they start fighting and everything, reminded me a lot of like EastEnders. Like a, it was like a sort. Get out of my pub! Well, there was sort of like I a soap opera a kind of element of to slag. it. I became a total slag. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see a Cockney version of Deep Space Nine. That would be great. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the there's there is this sort of, and I I mean I. I don't watch soaps really, but I do have a, a, a huge amount of respect for the writers of them because that I think they get overlooked as being sort of trashy when actually there's quite a lot of complex stuff going on. Um, and I think that that's sort of when Star Trek Deep Space Nine is at its best in the way that I like it. Like if it's going to if it's going to impress me at any point, I think it's going to be in a way that's like that, where it's it's complicated writing done in a way that comes across very natural and normal as if it's as if this could be happening on a street in east london as just as it could easily be happening in space it's the communal part yes exactly the fact that it's a space station like that like are we we're watching um, warrior yes. yeah we're still open for uh, people to give us suggestions give us but... suggestions okay well i'll say there's it just that there is when we were talking about, like, Garrett's views on the Federation and, and stuff like that, there's a really interesting conversation between Quark and Garrett that, um, the, 
they have. So so look okay. out for it and bear, bear what you said in mind. But I won't, I won't yeah, tell you what okay. it is. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Yeah, we should, we should watch that then because I think that sounds like something that I... That will continue. What, what essentially what I'm getting as we go through these episodes, try, thinking about it in terms of me trying to, because I'm genuinely going into these episodes wanting to be converted into a fan. I'm not just being contrarian about them, mm. um, and it is sort of like there's if 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 my enjoyment of DS9 was sort of like uh, one of those totalizers that you used to get on Blue Peter when they were trying to raise money for something, <laughs> like. I'm slowly yeah, yeah. building up the little levels of the totalizer to get to the top, and like this is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think we've had two episodes that are very Deep Space Nine yes. being Deep Space Nine and being good, and I think Way of the Warrior is because it, it's right. kind of a soft reboot for the series. Like it, it's another the reason they do it as a two parter is because like it's meant to it introduce right. the fourth onto the series full time and. Um, like it was kind of like a reset, and the like this is the direction we're going, and we know yeah. the show is now. Please okay. pay attention. Uh, whereas, where, but but to do that, they knew they needed to bring in elements like the, the heavy Klingon stuff and a lot of stuff from TNG Klingons brought in, which I actually think the show really benefits from because in that new direction, they then start taking, mm. they can draw a few more Klingon episodes that are based on you know when they need when they need to explore their kind of political drama themes but they, they, they it would be incongruous to do it with the Federation but they don't want to they don't want to do it with someone the Federation's enemies with because uh, like a recurring problem they have in season 1 and 2 with where the Cardassians are the main bad guys but it's all about this political transition is it's like oh we're enemies but uh, Golda Cat and Commander Sisko are going to be allied together so <laughs> we can explore some political themes together it's just like like really awkward, whereas they are just legitimately allied to the Klingons, so you don't have to like spend the first half of the episode being like, here's the contrivance well, to get these While we're talking about together. the the link between Cardassians and Klingons, right, uh, there's, I, I found an interesting fact on Memory Alpha about this episode, right? You know at the end, when they're, they're discussing uh, the um, Cardassian literature again, and, and, and they talk about this mm. other book where it predicts a war between uh, the Klingons and the Cardassians. Um, yeah. And they they sort of say that, oh, oh, this is ridiculous and like no one would ever believe that and all this kind of thing. Um, like that was apparently written in as a joke because they were like, uh, yeah, that, that's supposed, well, not even a joke, just as a point. It was meant to be, oh, we're going to come up with an idea that's going to be in this book that would be ridiculous and would never happen because they're, they're, whatever you know allies or whatever um and they had no idea that in like three series time the entire plot arc of of, of the series was going to be that the Cardassians and the Klingons ended up at war um <laughs> and so yeah that's what way that's like partly what way of the warrior is about like that's yeah the start <laughs> yeah of that so like the, the writer's didn't realize that that was going to happen so lots of people they played themselves yeah loads of people think that it's like oh this is a funny foreshadowing kind of thing but it was it's just like an error that they made um, <laughs> they're just playing themselves yeah 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 i've i've made a little compilation of all of the most soft and ridiculously gay moments in this episode <laughs> um so can i can i, can I start because there's because yeah, there's what i love right at the start and then you can go Okay, I love the, like, uh, very early, it's like, I didn't get any sleep. Oh, I just one of your lady friends. <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm jealous. Like, I just... I, I, I um, initially noticed when Garrick does this, the most minor of winces and his hand, you know, briefly goes to his head. Julian looks like he's panicking and he immediately is so concerned and fretting over him. And Garrick's like, oh, no, no, it's nothing. If my friend got a headache and they said, oh, no, no, it's nothing, I'd be like, all right, sure. But Julian's yeah. like grabbing him by the shoulders being like, oh, but your pupils are dilated and you're all clammy. And I'm like, no, I just think that's from your close physical proximity, but sure. Yeah. Um, it's, well, like as, then... as well, just before you go on the next one, <laughs> Julian's a doctor. Like, I I know doctors. I've been in hospitals where you go in and you go, oh, I've got I've got a really sore belly, and you think it's really awful, and then they're like, ah, yes, yeah, probably nothing, mate. Like, they don't give a shit unless you're literally dying. They don't give a shit. Why the hell is Julian Bashir a medical doctor if he's going to be that concerned about his mate having a slight headache? 
the entire plot of this episode and all of the dialogue between Julian and Garrick, which much of which I think is just completely fantastic dialogue, can basically be boiled down to the call and response of I'm not worthy of love and I hate myself and yes you are worthy of love and I love you unconditionally that is what this episode boils down to and every shouting match that they have all throughout this just echoes those themes over and over you know when Garrick first goes on a massive rant about how he's not going to go to the infirmary and you know you don't know what kind of person it is that you're trying to save and Julian just looks at him and says I'm your doctor and you're my patient and that's all I need to know and I just thought this episode is making me respect Julian. He's a good doctor and he's a good friend slash boyfriend. And yeah, and then Garrett's like, you think because we have lunch once a week, you know me? The, the amount that Garrick takes out his own insecurities and his own rage and resentment on Julian is just constant and incessant. And Julian takes it like an absolute champ. He's so professional in the face of someone screaming that they hate him. I think that he would just be a brilliant social worker. That's my call (laughs) to Julian to join the profession because it's fantastic. Like he never at any point does he rise to the bait. He's just consistently responds with compassion every single time that Garak lashes out. And I think that's, that's just really honorable of him and just, just, just a good move from Julian. So well done, Julian. (laughs) And there's that great line when um, Julian finally persuades him to sort of come to the sick bay and Garrick leans in and is like, you're an interfering little pest, do you know that? (laughs) (laughs) And they're like so close, I was like, kiss, kiss, kiss. It was very enemies to lovers. Yeah, and then Julian does a bedside vigil uh, for for Garrick for like three days and there's just that montage of him like standing around in the room watching over Garrick yeah. as he sleeps while this in a coma or whatever while this sort of soft yeah. music plays and I was just thinking well this is gay as fuck like, <laughs> what, what is the heterosexual explanation for this episode? Yeah because there's that bit where he says to one of the people in the infirmary he's like if you need me I'll be here for the next 36 hours and you're like <laughs> why? <laughs> if there's one thing that I would expect, like, a future hospital to have. It's, like, some form of an ability to look after somebody without you having to literally sit next to their bed for the end. Like, you don't even have to do that in a hospital now. Like, you're lo- in, an, in, a, in an NHS hospital now, you're lucky if the doctor comes to see you for 10 minutes if you're there for three days. So, like, I want to... Julian Bashir's working for Booper or something, right? Because, like, if he's there, <laughs> if that's the level of care that they're getting in, I, I want the the cover that they have on Deep Space Nine. They must have great medical insurance. Head cannon. Yeah. There's actually five people in this episode who died in the medical infirmary <laughs> <laughs> just off screen. Because Julian's Julian too checked busy. out of his duties for three days solid to just watch over Garrick and like smooth back his hair yeah. and like feed him feed him little cups of lemsip <laughs> while he was in a coma. <laughs> and then when Garrick finally does wake up in the infirmary after they've successfully turned off his thing yeah. way, Julian looks at him like the sun shines out of his arse. That's the only way I know how to describe. The gaze that he looks at him with is just like, the sunshine has come out of the clouds and my true love is in this world again. It was so fucking soft. Yeah, it was like Sleeping Beauty or something. Like It was! <laughs> I love... Yeah, no, I, I love the whole, like... Yeah, the dynamic. I love the personalities they have here. But I love the way that, like, the whole question of the episode, the whole, like, thing is that every character that isn't Garrett or Julian just seems to emphasise how no one knows anything about Garrett, and that includes Julian. It's like, don't think he's actually mm. given you more information, right? Like, like you know, when when Anabrin Kane at the end, um, oh, it's a bit of a spoiler about Garrick's character. It's just that we find out that an Arbrantain is Garrick's dad. Because I just assumed... Which is creepy that. as yeah. fuck, because Tain just... was also definitely flirting with Julian. So... Oh, yeah. What What's his name, by the way? The, the Arbrantain. Okay, cool. Because I've just written down Fat Cardassian. Um, brackets Carbassian. <laughs> <laughs> well, his his the, the the next few appearances he has, 
um, is basically as the like, yes, but you have retired team, you feel like fat and not very good anymore. Like, you know, he's like, oh, I'm a mastermind, and then he gets like caught out. Well, that, I found out again a fun fact yeah. about him on Memory Alpha. Um, the actor who plays him, whose surname is Tooley, but I can't remember his first name. Um, he. Uh, he was originally just meant to be like a one-off character in this episode, and then they kept bringing him back because fans really liked him, which is apparently what how Garak started as well. Um, so really, yeah. So I quite like mm. that. But um, Maddie, uh, just to add to your list of, uh, of bits in this episode that are uh, gay as fog, um, there's this bit where they're talking about forgiveness, and it's like. And you're like, oh. you're they're obvious. Like Julian is so obviously infatuated with him because he forgives him. They're also in public, right? Yeah. When they're having this conversation, they're just in the middle of the med bay and they're like clasping hands, like fucking Jim and Spock. Yeah. In motion picture. <laughs> well, th- th- I've written down this quote, right? Um, so Julian says to Garak, and this is the sort of is, I'm going to try and do as close to an approximation of the sort of timing of how he says it as well. He goes. I forgive you for whatever it was you did. And you're like, well, that means fuck all then, Julian, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> what? You can't forgive somebody. If you, for, for, you can't just... That's like saying, I'm sorry if you were offended. Like, saying, I forgive you for whatever it is you did doesn't mean anything, does it? That's like, it that's like your mum saying you're a you... handsome boy. Like, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> But that's the point. It is exactly like your mum saying a handsome boy because what Julian is demonstrating is unconditional compassion for Garrick. Yeah. And that is something that is clearly such an alien concept to Garrick. Just generally seems from the whole Cardassian vibe, it seems like it's a bit alien to them. But it's so he, you know, he loves that and he needs that and he resents that in equal measure. Yeah. Um, but but Julian will is forgiving him for whatever godforsaken reason. Julian has decided that that Creepo McSpiny neck is you know, <laughs> the man for him. And 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 he is, he's just giving him unconditional love. And and it actually made me almost tear up. I was like. Aww. Neither of these characters individually is particularly appealing to me in any way. Yeah. <laughs> but actually together, they're kind of cute. <laughs> there is this... I, I think there's this bit... that I like to think of this, and this is sort of a headcanon and sort of not, that I think that this is purposeful in that Julian says that to Garak and, you know, it's this sort of kind of doesn't really mean anything statement, but it's but it's quite a nice thing to say. And I think at the end, Garak tries to do that back to to Julian when he says um, everything's true and then uh, Julian's like even the lies and then Garak says especially the lies and you're like well what the fuck does that mean that doesn't mean anything either and I think that's Garak being like oh Julian said a sort of nonsensical thing that doesn't really make sense but sounded nice to me earlier so I'm going to do the same thing back to him and be like yeah even the lies especially the lies are true oh yeah that's deep and that sounds cool that'll that'll placate you for a bit. Well, I think that's the whole... That's what, that it doesn't make point. sense? Like, <laughs> I think there's another quote from... Yeah, well, there's a quote from Garrett where he's like, you know, like they... they um, someone tells Garrett the story of the boy who cried wolf right. but they don't believe him about something. They're like, you know, have you ever heard of the person who cried wolf? Obviously, we don't believe you. You're just like telling my constantly. He goes, um... And like they, they tell him the full story, and he basically just goes, Well, clearly the message is that he should be very despised more frequently. It's just like, it's like, and sometimes have told the truth as well. Like, you know, it's just like, it's yeah. just like you should be lying constantly. Never that is tell a very them good point the truth deliberately. I really considered. Like, like, he constantly, he has to lie. It's, it's who he is. It's so ingrained into his DNA. For some reason, he's decided that he's in, you know, in love with this British Sudanese twink boy. <laughs> so, but it doesn't mean he's not going to, you know, still just lie to his face constantly. The only difference is that he's going to establish a sort of comfortable not knowing. Mm. You know, what's it called? Like conscious yeah. conscious incompetence with Julian where Julian, he's going to lie shamelessly to Julian and Julian knows that it's all lies but they're just going to both roll with it because for some reason that's the vibe that they have. Yeah, yeah. But like Garrick's a very yeah. so this da- is, damaged it's between... person. He, I mean, in this episode he is literally it... he is like physiologically 
literally incredibly damaged and obviously emotionally and mentally mm. a very damaged person from his time being a spy for the Obsidian Order. And that kind of comes part and parcel with that. He's a bit fucked up. I don't think he's ever going to be someone who could live telling the truth. The, 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 li- the, the line, uh, the, the exchange is, um, this is Julian and, and Garrick again, is, um, but the point is if you tell, if you lie all the time, nobody's going to believe you even when you're telling the truth. Are you sure that's the point, Doctor? Of course. What else could it be? That you should never tell the same lie twice? Very dark. Can we talk about um, my favourite scene in this episode, which is Drunk Garrick? <laughs> Drunk Garrick and Quark are like the comedic dream team. I know. That, that yeah, there's, in the episode. there's one bit with Morn in it, and my notes just in massive capital Morn! letters just says Morn exclamation point. Mine's just my note says Morn doing nothing. Love heart. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, I think that should just be a, a standing uh, feature on the podcast is that we just have a Morn account every time we see Morn. We have a little bit of a oh yay Morn. Yay, Morn. <laughs> um, but. That is that is the mark of a proper DS9. Ah, uh, do you know what? I'm excited by Morn's presence. Like, you, like yeah, Morn is like so. Like a little down the line when we're looking for a new D, a random DS9 episode, we'll watch you yeah. more. I mean, you Morn. explained it last so week, funny. and like, <laughs> immediately I was like, if yeah. there's anything out of these these episodes of the podcast that's going to make me a fan of DS9, it's the fact that they did an episode entirely about Morn and they called it "Who Mourns for Morn." <laughs> Um, oh, it's so good. But Drunk Garak, I really enjoyed. I thought um, it's the first time that I have seen anything of Garak that made me sort of think, like, oh, yeah, no, you're like a. You're not just this uptight bloke who's like miserable and, and gloomy and rubbish, and like you do actually behave like a person with feelings sometimes. Um, and like, because like we've all been in that mm. frame of mind where even if we haven't actually gone and like drunk ourselves silly because we're feeling miserable, we've been in the frame of mind where we could do that. And like that, I think it's the first time that I sort of um, had any kind of, uh, where I saw any of myself in Garak and his behavior, um, you know, not that I'm some raging alcoholic or anything like that, but like, you know, it, it was sort of... You do have a very spiny neck, so I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't see the similarities before. I resent that. Uh, <laughs> but, um, the, uh, you also <laughs> resemble that, so. Well, <laughs> look, if there's, maybe that's the real the real reason that I don't like DS9, is just because every, ta- every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh, God, it reminds me of how awful I am. <laughs> but i i love drunk garrick i love drunk garrick when and again to add to the list of uh of like closeted love scenes where um julian comes and takes the the bottle of uh of drink away and this is again like something out of eastenders it's it's space decent space eastenders the Julian's hiding the bottle behind his back and Garak's being yes. all like, give me my bottle! Give me the bottle! Give me the fucking bottle! I mean, I don't think he quite says that far, but like... <laughs> but And uh, Julian's just like, I'll give you the bottle if we go to the infirmary first. And it, it's 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 very much like like when my ex-girlfriend used to like say that we could go to McDonald's for dinner if she if if i didn't complain about going to tk max first or something like that like it's <laughs> and i was gonna say but then quark sort of weaseling his way around the outside looking all cat <laughs> and then like julian doing the little bottle pass to quark while garrick's still like clinging onto his shirt like give me the bottle but then you just derailed it entirely into some weird story about your ex so. <laughs> I also I also love how like the scene after that when he's taking like anesthetics and stuff and he gets told it could kill him and it's clearly not working for what he wanted to do he's like ah well that's a shame decided peace thank you it's just like it's the most calmest like person like the I have a question though and we'll have to wrap up shortly but I have a question about um this issue that Julian has about getting Garak to the to to go to the um uh 
the infirmary and he keeps trying to like get him to come along. We we see twice in this episode that there is, they have the capacity to do to to beam from one part of the ship to the other, which incidentally I think is the first time I've ever seen anyone do any beaming in DS9. Um but the uh why doesn't Julian just like beam him and Garak to the to the medical thing? when Garak's still... Because mm, then there'd be so much less tense, like, like tense drama and unrequited sexual tension and... Possibly. The only way I can reconcile that is maybe, like, you know, there is still time in transporting his body and what Julian called for was the equipment to be beamed to him so that, like, it was quicker to get stuff to him, start treating Garak yeah. than it was to beam him that yeah, way, you're probably right. Maybe like, maybe it's quite know. disorienting for a really ill person or something. Maybe you're not supposed to beam them when they're losing their mind. Yeah. Or maybe he thought Garrett could just easily crush his skull <laughs> while they were <laughs> all made composed of at- atoms, disparate atoms, <laughs> or something like that. Who knows? That's a good point. Um, maybe yeah. he just didn't want to override his consent. Yeah, that's true. And he was being a good doctor. Yeah, that is true, yeah. Um, do we have anything else? I that- have a question. Yeah, go on. Do you think Garrick's brain implant is what turned him gay? <laughs> um, I no, I think uh, Garrick's brain implant is uh, is part of the uh, the same conspiracy that says that five G is what's causing coronavirus. Uh, I, I think Garrick's brain uh, is causing coronavirus, and actually, five it... G something something toilet roll something something bad something something <laughs> Garrick's brain coronavirus. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's my uh, headcanon. Is that ga- I do have something else that I think is really important about this episode, which is just how hilarious Odo is. You know how you said that it was it, he's. I love the impression Otto, of Jordi yeah, Odo yeah. that you did the other week. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> but though every time he comes in and Julian talks to him, he's just on a one-track mind obsession with just <laughs> yeah. getting people arrested on the station. That's all he cares about. He's like, yes, well, I have had. Quark's, you know, communications tap for some time. Mm. It's in the best interests of station security. And then when, like, Garrick is basically yeah. on his deathbed, and Odo's like, but oh. I need to talk to him about these unsolved crimes. And I'm like, this guy is truly respect for the amount of lawful that comes with this man's evil, because he is, he is the epitome oh, oh, of lawful oh, evil. Oh, oh, Julian, right Julian. There. Oh, can I speak to Garak? I need to have a, I need to have a chat with Garak because I reckon he's done some murders. Look, we're gonna, we're gonna have to wind up, I think, but um, we we obviously have to answer the important questions. Um, first of all, uh, as ever, we need to know who in this episode is most likely to wear a fez. Um, Otto, Otto would love to wear a Otto, fez. Otto, Otto will always so cute with a little fez. Obviously, in any episode where we see Morn, even if it's just for a short uh, clip, we have to uh, talk yeah, about how amazing Morn would yet, be in a fez. Still, still staying, is it? Nope. No, uh, if if anything, Nathan, the more you complain I, about uh, it, yeah, the more I want to be Yeah, to be fair, I learned a long going. time ago that not expressing any interest in, in your section, either positive or negative, is how to kill it. Yeah. That's, that's how I got, that's how I got sexy, <laughs> sexy Vulcan Liam Gallagher. Sexy Vulcan uh, Liam Gallagher. Look, Nathan, what you've got to... What you've got to think of me as is a cat, right? You've got to imagine that I'm a cat playing with a toy and... Like, if you keep telling me that I'm not allowed the toy and you keep taking the toy away from me, I'll want to play with it more. If you just leave the toy alone, then I'll get bored of it eventually and stop talking about fezzes. Obviously, the next important question is uh, the Klim question. A Klim is a space character who in this episode is most likely to have asked to speak to the manager. Um, I, I mean, I'm, it's a very... It, the episode doesn't have very many people in it and I... It's I Garrick. think it is Garrick. It's Garrick. Yeah. He is literally yelling at Julian. Yeah. <laughs> like, leave him, like, give him back his, give him back his alcohol in the most entire yeah, exactly. fashion while disturbing all the other patrons and of the And also, bar. he's quite pissed off when he finds out that, um, that Quark can't get the, uh, the, the biotech that he wanted. So, like, it feels a lot mm. like he's sort of trying to ask to speak to somebody I, I who's in charge you, there. I'd like to give an honourable mention. Because I'd like to give an end okay. to Captain Cisco mm-hmm. because that whole scene where he's like, I didn't shout at an admiral, I merely made my opinions be known loudly. <laughs> like, 
I'm just like that's, that's very that true, like, yeah. like he's not in the episode enough for it to be. Yeah, he's literally it's, it's just in that one scene. I think to be the, to get the award, but I want her to give me on mention. I think it is a good a good honourable mention. Um, and then before we finish, we have the most important question. Obviously, who in this episode is most likely to have tried to suck their own cock? <laughs> Miles O'Brien. <laughs> it's Miles O'Brien. It's everyone. always Miles O'Brien. Let Bryan. me tell you why it's Miles O'Brien. Because right at the beginning of the episode, when Julian gets all in a fluff. Um, and he's told that, you know, something goes, something's gone wrong and someone's ill. And he says, oh, what is it now? Has Miles dislocated his shoulder again? That <laughs> also, also, even, even better, uh, we know very early on that Keiko is away for a conference right now. So he's, he's on his own. Yes, exactly. On Rigel 4. Exactly. He's on his own and he's dislocating his shoulder trying to suck <laughs> his own cock. I think that's the most perfect one that we've had so far. <laughs> Um, well I think that's a great place to end then Um, thank you again for uh, listening thank you again to uh, Instagram user at our man Bashir who uh, suggested that we looked at this episode Um, if you would like to keep uh, suggesting episodes of DS9 that you think would uh, impress me and make me a fan please get in touch on Instagram or Twitter at RedShirtsCast if uh, I think we're possibly going to do um, a two-parter uh, the way of the warrior next um, but if you have any if you think that's a terrible idea and that there's a much better episode of DS9 we should be watching feel free to get in touch and tell us that and we'll make a decision um, and yet again uh, just to say uh, please don't say don't get in touch with us and say you should watch all of season 6, 7 and 8 uh, because uh, that is not how this works and we will not let you do that you will not get I do want to say to those, kind those of people that is attempt. objectively the better way to watch Deep Space Nine is to watch it in all with maybe like select highlighted episodes that narrative way, but that's not how the podcast works. So fuck off. And that's not how I will be. I will not be dictated <laughs> to by the masses, right? I will watch this series in a, a weird order if I want to watch it in a weird order, and you will cope with it as listeners. <laughs> Right, um, but if you if you want to get in touch and suggest an episode, um, you can do that uh, via Instagram and uh, Twitter at RedShirtsCast uh, or on email RedShirtsCast at gmail dot com. Um, as ever, get in touch if you've got anything else you would like to talk to us about. If you've got any questions, if you've got any fan art, we haven't asked for that in a while. So if you've got any fan art of the podcast, uh, you can get in touch with us there. Um, but all that's left to say uh, is live long and prosper, and Bye. goodbye, goodbye. Goodbye.